Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.53 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's the 21st day of February 2023. This is episode, oh God, I don't know, of Bitcoin and... I said, oh Lord Jesus, it's a fire. Yeah, it's a fire, all right. It's a fire at the wallet of Satoshi server room, ladies and gentlemen. It burnt down like several times over the weekend. Wallet of Satoshi is just being brutalized and it's not it's no it's not because somebody's attacking it it's not because it's like you know some kind of denial of service attack or some shit like that or hackers or whatever no 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 wallet of satoshi has basically prevailed or at least for the time being as being one of the wallets of choice to use for zapping people on the Noster network. What is zapping? Why is it different than tipping? Well, you know, honestly, I, I kind of can't say definitively, but I'm going to give it my best shot, right? So we used to have tipping when, you know, when we were on Twitter and we still have some m- measure of tipping, but I'm talking about Bitcoin Twitter here. Let's not talk about the shit coin. And, and honestly, I'm talking about Twitter from way back in the day, you know, before I got shit canned off of it last November, sometime around, I think it was November the 11th was the day that my uh, Twitter account, my Ghost of Nunya Twitter account got shit canned. So everything that I'm about to say is relating to Twitter of the days of yore, as it were. So we had stuff like bottle pay. And you could set up a bottle pay account and then it would give you like, you know, if you were using something like, you know, like an extension or something like that, it would give you a little lightning bolt thing that you could uh, tip people for, but it would just basically tip you, your, you know, your account. And you had to have a wallet, you had to, you you know, you set it all up and all that kind of stuff so that you could allow for tipping so that you yourself could tip and you could get tipped yourself. But it kind of was just a tip. It was a tip to you. It didn't really tip your content, right? And we have that with Noster, at least on on several clients now. We have the ability to you put in a LN URL or you know whatever you're you know you can you can send a lightning invoice in a in a note if you want to. But if if you want to have a more permanent tipping presence on you know the Noster network, then you need to go ahead and get an LN URL or some, something like that and use a wallet that supports that so that you can put the LN URL into a slot in your, like in Domus, it gives you like a, a whole slot says, hey, you know, lightning tip. And that's where you put your LN URL. You'd find that in on most clients, I think it's probably in your ability to edit your bio. Okay, so that that would be the first place that I would look. If you don't find it there, then, you know, maybe general settings or something like that. And again, you know, there's no there's no set path 
with all these clients. It's not like there's a convention that's been formed as to where shit goes and, you know, it's all different. So you'll have to do a little bit of work to find it in some cases more than others. In like cases like Domus, just go to your bio, hit edit bio, scroll down, you'll see it. It'll say lightning tip address. All right, so that gives me the ability <clears throat> to show a lightning bolt in my bio. So if somebody just looks at my bio, they can just hit that button and tip me directly. But I have no reason why they're tipping me. Now, a zap, in my opinion, that's my opinion only. And if you have a re you know, a good reason why what I'm about to say is wrong, please let me know and do it in the boostograms, which we will get to forthwith. But a zap, it once you've got if you're using a client that is um that has this tipping tipping ability and they've got a zapping ability, well then all of a sudden you have a lightning bolt symbol on each one of your posts, like each one of your notes, if you say something, or if you reply to somebody, you've got a little lightning bolt down there along with your likes and your repost. And again, this is on clients that have zapping, okay? This is why I'm thinking that zapping is different than just tipping. I've seen some clients that you can tip on a bio, but there's no lightning bolt down below in the notes. So if I say something that you like, right? Or that you agree with, or you, or I've given you some kind of actual functional value. You can hit the lightning button on the actual note that I said that thing in. And not only do I get zapped, it, I get a tip. Okay. It's the, the, like, it's like I get a tip, except it's associated with that note. And I can go and see like, like if I say something really stupid, or let's say I say something that means absolutely nothing at all like lulls well that doesn't do anything for anybody that's not real content that's me interacting with Noster in basically a kind of like a stupid way i'm not using it to the best of its ability and people just look at it and go whatever dude and just scroll past it i get zero zaps out of it and i know i like now i'm actually able to see what which one of my notes gets real actual like engagement. And I'm not looking for engagement for engagement farming. I'm looking to see what is it what is it that I can offer everybody out there that is worth something to them that they can use. And one of the best ways that I can do that right now <clears throat> is to look at the the amount of zaps that I get on on a note. And it will tell me how many satoshis that I got for that particular note. Most of my notes get nothing at all. Why? Because I'm not really using Noster to the to the pinnacle of what it can what it can actually be. I'm starting to realize, holy shit, we've got a publishing platform now. <clears throat> this isn't guys, this isn't social media. Okay, it's a little bit of social media, but there's a lot more mixed in now. <clears throat> if I can do this right, then I I might be able to publish things that are in shorter length than a blog post, right? Or something like that, like a, a sub stack or whatever. I can go directly to the masses and say, hey, look, here's my idea, uh, I don't know, idea of building a farm that's based around, oh, like, uh, oh, agroforestry or what do we, what do we uh, other call it? Uh, uh, like pasture, you know, pasturing animals on pastures that are in between trees and 
how that would be built out. And <clears throat> if I did it correctly and I had good engaging information in it, then you'd be able to zap that note. And I'd be able to say, ah, oh, people want, maybe people want more of this. All right. <clears throat> so what, and now, and I want to start, I want to say some, a couple things about Stacker News. I have been a Stacker News user for a long time, right? And again, I'm not using Stacker News to its complete ability to use Stacker News. I've, what I've been doing is I've just been throwing up uh, like the, the, the show announcement with a link to, you know, each episode. Like, you know, that's one of the first things that I do after the whole damn show is rendered and it's up to SoundCloud and it's able to be RSS all the way out into the farthest reaches of the planet. Then I start making the announcement because now I've got like, you know, a link to the show that I get from, you know, I get from SoundCloud. I've, you know, figured out like a way to condense what it is that I'm talking about in a few show notes and stuff like that. And then I blast that out. And that's what essentially I've been using uh, Stacker News for. And in, like, I, I'm not a big Instagram user yet. Every day I put an announcement out just because it's another outlet that if people aren't using anything but Instagram, at least I can reach that group, right? So, you know, and I get some pretty decent engagement on Stacker News, but nothing to speak of, not until, not until I put out, uh, let me see, let me, get, let me get over to Stacker News, in fact, and I don't know why I didn't have this up. Uh, I put... I put out a uh, post on Stacker News yesterday. It was 21 hours ago, in fact. And uh, the, the title is, I'm using Stacker News now more than ever. And what I posted was this. I heard quite a bit of negative comments when Noster first started, mostly concerning things like Stacker News is better, et cetera, et cetera. Now, however, I am finding some deeper usage of Stacker News since I started using Noster frequently. I migrated my zap slash tip address uh, for Noster for, uh, sorry, from Wallet of Satoshi to Stacker News. And I'm about to replace my NIP5 identifier with one from Stacker. I think more integrations are on the way and it's going to leave Facebag, Twatter, and Instasat, etc., in a flaming wreck to burn down all by themselves and I am here for it. So why am I getting into this? I have heard negative comments by people that use Stacker News that Noster isn't going to be anything, that Noster can't compare to Stacker News, and, and uh, you know, quite a few, I've seen quite a few negative comments from people that use Stacker News. I, I don't understand the vehemence of this at all. Because now that I'm using Noster more and more and more and more, I'm starting to understand the value of Stacker News and things like it more and more and more. Do you see what I'm trying to say? There, there, there's this, let's do the restaurant analogy. You put a restaurant on some street, people start visiting it. And then it gets, you know, kind of successful. And then somebody says, you know, I'm going to open up a comp, you know, a competing restaurant right across the street. Now you would think that the owner of the restaurant would be pissed about that. And you know, if they don't really know what the hell's going on with marketing, 
they probably will be really pissed going, how dare they, how dare they scrape my user base? I, I'm, I'm shocked and appalled. How dare they? How dare they go all Greta Thunberg on them? Well, it turns out that that second restaurant actually increases the traffic to the first restaurant. And what happens after that? Third restaurant opens up. Well, now you've got a grouping of restaurants on a block. They're all within close proximity of each other. What you've got, the, what you've got now is the beginnings of quote-unquote restaurant row. This is a well-known, this is a well-known marketing 101 kind of thing. In fact, it works so well that Burger King actually doesn't have to figure out where to, or they, I don't know if about now, but back in the day, this is a study, right, that was done. And they discovered that Burger King was placing their restaurants after McDonald's opened up, a couple of years after that McDonald's opened up, somewhere situated very, very close. So they didn't have to do any work on siting their restaurant. All they had to do was figure out where McDonald's was because McDonald's had an entire crew that looked at maps, looked at traffic flow. They researched where the best siting for a new McDonald's restaurant was going to be. <clears throat> Turns out Burger King didn't have the kind of, you know, they didn't have to spend the kind of money that, that McDonald's was doing and why duplicate efforts? All they had to do was figure out where the new restaurant was for McDonald's and put a Burger King by it. And guess what? They got, they got traffic. What happened after that? Taco Villa moved in. Taco Bell moved in. Next thing you know, you've got a row of fast food restaurants. Now, don't eat at any of them because it's all fucking poison. I'm just saying that this is sort of the same thing. What we're seeing is that now, or at least what I'm seeing is that I'm more interested in Stacker News than I ever have been, not because of Stacker News itself, but because of Noster. It's made me appreciate what Stacker News actually is. So if you don't know what Stacker News is, please go over to Stacker, S-T-A-C-K-E-R dot news and get into it. Just like I've asked you to get into Noster. This is the way we win. We don't win it with one platform. We don't win it with one protocol. We win it with multiple protocols and hopefully multiple platforms operating on multiple, on multiple protocols. And those protocols start getting designed to be able to talk to each other. Not like there would never be a day that Facebook would natively be able to understand the API feed from Twitter. They could, but they're never going to because they don't understand the restaurant row marketing theory. Now let that sink in. Now, do I have Boostergrams? Um, Boostergrams have been running low uh, lately, honestly, um, which I think is kind of understandable. And I think that's because of, uh, well, be, we're going to go back to Noster, not leaving Stacker News out in the wind to twist or anything, but going back to Noster, there have been so many people that are interested in zapping that it burnt Wallet of Satoshi down, like I started the show with. It completely, the Wallet of Satoshi has failed at like three or four times over the weekend where nobody could zap if you were using Wallet of Satoshi. Now that's that's not the reason why I moved my LN URL from a Wallet of Satoshi address to a Stacker News address. I just wanted to see what would happen. And lo and behold, when I moved it, now I see my Stacker News 
uh, balance, you know, my balance of Satoshis going up on Stacker News because as people zap me, it's going into my Stacker News wallet instead of my wallet of Satoshi wallet. So everybody was zapping so freaking hard that wallet of Satoshi looks like it couldn't handle the traffic and the server room caught on fire. Figuratively, not literally, or at least I, I hope it didn't literally catch on fire because that's, that's, that's not good. Okay, nobody, nobody wants that shit, right? <laughs> it's like, don't, ain't nobody got time for that. Wait, do I got that one? Hold on. I don't, why don't I have that? I don't, I, I don't have nobody's got, oh, yeah, I do. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. All right, so do I have a, do I have Instagrams? Okay, I do have Instagram. So f finishing that up. People will say, well, that just means that Wallet is Satoshi sucks, or this is like, this, this protocol and this zapping stuff isn't going to work. Yes, it is. Have we lost every modicum of patience ever? People that I've, you know, known of and interacted with for literally years have been saying the same shit about Bitcoin and anything new for, you know, all this time. It's like they don't learn. Everything got better since 2017 for Bitcoin, right? I mean, it, it, it just keeps getting better. We have new protocols coming online. They keep getting better. But for some reason or another, every single person that, that bitches about this seems to be coming from a place of, why doesn't it work 100% the way I expect it to right out of the box? What's wrong with you developers? It can't be the developers. It's got to be the protocol. There's something wrong and it will never work. I don't get it. How many fucking times do we have to learn our lesson before we start having a modicum of patience? It's like children, honestly, I swear to God. Now, Bubba, with a big, holy shit, dude, 100,000 Satoshis. We need more Buddy Holly in this world, but most have forgot or never knew. Few. If you've never listened to Buddy Holly, you should listen to Buddy Holly. Basically, he was the, de the demarcator of when rock and roll really started. Yes, there were people around that same time, but when we look at that time, it was really Buddy Holly that hit the spotlight, man. Brought everybody along with him. It was an explosion. And it wasn't long after that that the 60s began, and we had what? the British invasion. And it was yes. And it was Pink Floyd and it was David Bowie. And it was God. I mean, just the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. And, and what was our response? Fucking Jimi Hendrix. And then we started our own like cascade effect of rock and roll. And it was the beautiful thing. It culminated in the nineties with grunge. And then Napster hit, and it completely destroyed the record industry. They may still be making money. They may still be wearing suits and having fancy parties and being famous and all that shit. But it is nothing but pure drivel that's coming out of Hollywood and, quote unquote, the record industry. It's all pre-programmed. 
It's all instantly consumable. There's nothing. It's 100% vapid. It has the worst messaging I've ever seen perpetrated by some of the worst people that has ever been in the entertainment industry. And it's all connected to mainstream media in so far that they're all pushing the same narrative. And that never used to be the case. In the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, dude, we had the best music because it was all independent. I mean, even though it was, you know, Columbia Records and all that kind of stuff, it was solid music and we don't have that anymore. Thank you, Bubba, for reminding me of what we've lost. It makes me a little bit sad, but Van Man Jr. makes me happy with 20,000 sats says, thanks. Dude, you can write a little bit more than that if you want me to, you know, say something that like one of your ideas or something like that. Fat Toshi with 4321 sat says, don't ask me to explain four. <laughs> Nick underscore dose 1369 Satoshi says, cheers. We got 500 sats from Gig says, BTC and Buddy Holly, what a good read. Reminded me of my late father that passed of cancer in 2019. Sorry for your loss, dude. He loved Electric Light Orchestra, otherwise known as ELO, Buddy and the Classics. Interesting thought of 2001 is the year the music died. Yeah, it really was. And we were just talking about that. Fatoshi again with 321 says, but I think you get the idea. Fatoshi again with 321 says, I could go on. Fatoshi again with 231 says, I think it's written three. Fatoshi 222 says, no friend, please. And then NPUB, and I'm, oh God, dude, I'm going to have to read it. NPUB one, no, I can't. I can't. The, the letters are too small and I'm going to screw it up. Fatoshi, I'm sorry. I can't do it. Fatoshi again with two, three, two, one, three, not three to the third. Fatoshi, one, three, two, three, choose three. Fatoshi, one, two, three says, have Bitcoin can travel. And user with a lot of numbers says 100 sat with 100 sat says, you rock, David. Thanks for your positive vibe and great info. I'm going to try to be more positive from now on. I, you know, there have been times when I know that you've listened to my voice and gone, dude, you're a, like an energy vampire because it's sometimes it's hard to, you know, to, to do, to be happy in the face of all the stuff that's going on. But one of the things that's been making me really happy lately is Noster. And now I'm looking at Stacker News. I mean, that these are real potential revenue creation things for me. And that's what I want to do. I'm pretty much unemployable at this point. <laughs> I, and I did it to myself, I know. But you know how many times I read a note that says something like, went to the fiat job today. I can't even talk to my coworkers anymore. And I know exactly what they're talking about. I know it sounds sad and we're talking about being happy, but I think all of us are discovering the absolute lie that we've all been living. Make money until you retire. Make as much money as you can so that you can retire. That's the message. Do anything to get that money. Work the job that you hate. Be the person that you be the person that you don't want to be, so that you cannot be the person that you can be, so that you can get the money, so that you can retire. That's basically the messaging. And everything bad that we've experienced from pandemics 
to false patriotism because of the planes flying into buildings, because of the endless wars that we fucking support. That all falls out of that narrative. Be the person you don't want to be so that you can't be the person that you want to be because that won't get you the money that you need to retire. Because we've lost our adventurous spirit. We need to get it back. We are getting it back. Fuck it. Let's do this one right now. Let's talk about the E-Naira. It's having some problems. And Savanta Fortis from Cointelegraph going to tell us all about it. E-Naira is crippled. Yep, yep, it's a cripple. Nigeria is in talks with a New York-based company for a revamp. Oh, that'll help. Yes, let's go to New York. I'm seriously, we got an African country that's going to a United States-based, New York State-based company to figure out why nobody wants to use their shit. Yeah, gonna help big time. Central Bank of Nigeria continues to develop its slave coin, the E-Naira, but this time it's calling for backup. According to a February 21st Bloomberg report, the CBN is in talks with new technology partners to develop a new and improved system to manage their slaves. I mean the E-Naira. According to sources close to the matter, the Nigerian Financial Authority has discussed these plans with the New York-based technology firm, R3. New software for the eNira will be created to allow the CBN to have complete control over the initiative. However, the unnamed source said that that matter is confidential. The effort to create the eNira began in 2021 with the help of the financial software company BIT, B-I-T-T. According to the report, the new partner won't immediately take BIT's role, but will help phase in total control for the Nigerian Central Bank. In a statement, BIT said that it is aware that the CBN works with various partners for its technological innovations. It confirmed that it still works closely with the CBN and is currently developing additional features and enhancements, although... It is one of the first countries to have launched a CBDC. Nigeria's e-Naira got off to a rather sluggish start with low adoption. According to some reports, the ambitious project is crippled with only 0.5% of Nigerians wanting to be slaves. I mean, using the CBDC. In January, a Nigerian innovator launched the country's first active Bitcoin Lightning Node. Shortly before that, the government announced its plan to create a legal framework for stablecoins and initial coin offerings. A little late to the game there, pal. Nigeria is one of more than 90, count it, 90, 90 countries exploring the use of various slave coins. Others include Russia and Japan, both of which have plans to roll out their currencies before the summer. The city of San Francisco is also looking into the possibility of developing a CBD system. Well, maybe that'll help clean up the human fecal matter that's all over the streets and sidewalks in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, it's going to help. However, there is active pushback against CBDCs from activists who call them surveillance tools. No, no, no. They're slave coins. It's not a surveillance tool. It's slavery. How, how do we not understand this? Okay, it's history. This has all been done before and it's all going to be done again. The only answer is Bitcoin. It really is, guys. The only answer is Bitcoin and HRF 
has donated 2 billion Satoshis to 10 global Bitcoin projects. 2 billion Satoshis, I believe, is two full Bitcoin? No, uh, 10, sorry, 20. God, I'm, I can't even add today. That sounds to me like 20 Bitcoin because there's 100 million, there's like 10, 100 millions in a billion and there's 2 billion. So there should be 20 Bitcoins total. BTC Casey, help me with my math out of bitcoinmagazine.com. The Human Rights Foundation has granted 2 billion Satoshis, which is approximately 475,000 US dollars from the Bitcoin Development Fund to 10 global projects. The funding will support areas such as censorship-resistant communications, Bitcoin education in authoritarian regimes, core development and building local communities and education, with a focus on Africa and Southeast Asia. The grants include $100,000 to Kala, Q-A-L-A, a fellowship program training the next generation of African Bitcoin Enlightening developers, allowing the program to continue their 13-week fellowship and sponsoring six Kala fellows to attend the Oslo Freedom Forum. The HRF has also awarded 75000 to the African Bitcoin Conference, the largest Bitcoin-focused conference in Africa, and 50000 to William Kassarin, oh, thank God, for his work on Noster, that's JB55, in case you didn't know who William Kassarin is. He's the guy that's working on Davos. Anyway, a censorship-resistant, open-source, and decentralized social network platform. Additionally, 50000 went to Bitcoin for Fairness, which focuses on erasing awareness, sorry, on raising awareness for Bitcoin for disadvantaged communities and in authoritarian states. Another 50000 went to Vasil Dumov, Dimov, D-I-M-O-V, a top 20 contributor to Bitcoin Core to ensure continued development and stability of the Bitcoin protocol. The remaining $25,000 or $25,000 grants were awarded to Emmanuel Bronstein for his contributions to Wallet Scrutiny and Exomuna to expand Bitcoin educational resources, Economa Elian for EasePay and Bitcoin Myanmar, sorry, Bitcoin Myanmar for financial freedom education. Woo! HRF has allocated over $2.2 million in BTC and USD to more than 70 developers, educators, and open source initiatives worldwide since early of 2020. The organization continues to raise support for the Bitcoin Development Fund with the next round of gifts to be announced in May 2023, quote, Bitcoin is a powerful tool for human rights defenders around the world, and these grants support their belief that financial freedom is a human right. Alex Gladstein, chief strategy officer of the human, or sorry, the HRF, said, quote, we are proud to support the amazing work of these individuals and organizations who are using Bitcoin to fight for human rights and freedom, especially in regions where it's needed the most. HRF is a registered 503, 501c3 nonprofit and donations are tax deductible to the fullest extent allowable by law. So proposals for support can be submitted to dev.fund at hrf.org. That's D-E-V dot fund at hrf.org. And more information can be found on the HRF website. Again, that was BTC Casey bringing us that. HRF, steaming ahead, man. 
that's a lot of, that's a lot of money to drop and we're in the and we're in a bear market i mean think about where we're where we're at in the bear market we got people that are building these beautiful protocols we've got more usage of these beautiful protocols coming up all the time we got the hrf dumping almost half a million dollars into this shit we've got People that are finally figuring out where to focus the education. See, that's that's the thing. And I've got do I have I've got something here somewhere. Hold on, uh, bit generation. That's in Italy. We'll get to that in a while. Um, Africa. I've said it for years. I'm not. I don't care about the West's adoption of Bitcoin at all in any way, shape, or form. Honestly, go screw. They can go screw. Pound sand, whatever. I don't give a shit. It's Central America, South America, Africa, Southeast Asia, the Baltics, the Balkans, and a few straggling Eastern European, far Eastern European countries. That's who I care about. But Africa and Latin America, in my opinion, are the two most important areas that we need to be focusing on. I think Latin America in general is coming out of authoritarianism. No, it's nowhere close to being out of authoritarianism. I'm just saying that it seems to me that they, that winds are changing down there. But Africa in the I mean they're they're going further into authoritarianism. They haven't reached their depths yet. That's the focus. Latin America and Africa. Latin America and Africa, everything else can wait. These two places on the planet are absolutely the most critical geopolitical places that we can get Bitcoin education into. And I'm glad to see that people are starting to focus on that. Now, oh, fake. Fake being, B-I-N-G, you know, the the search thing from Microsoft fake being chat GPT tokens pop up amid all the AI hype. I'm honestly surprised it hasn't happened sooner. Decrypt.co Alice, Alice key, I believe is how you pronounce her name. Weeks, weeks after Microsoft announced a new AI-powered version of its search engine Bing, scammers have been flooding the market with tokens trying to cash in on hype around the product. The new search engine is powered by the same technology behind OpenAI's popular text chat tool, ChatGPT, kicking off an AI arms race with Google. Interest has also extended into the crypto space where AI-related crypto tokens such as Fetch, SingularityNet, and Ocean Protocol have seen their value boosted by investors keen to get in on the action. But the excitement also seems to have opened up doors to fake tokens posing as well-known brands. I'm not going to read any more of this because that's all you need to know. The scammers are hitting AI. And, and so are the VCs. And so are... The internal development people of, it's all AI now, man. 
And this may be good for Bitcoin because it'll, there's like, like I, I said last week, or maybe it was the week before where I've been hearing, you know, word on the street from VCs that, oh, they're not interested in Bitcoin anymore. It's all AI. That's what they want to invest in. Okay, good, good. You guys go over there because that AI, it's not actual intelligence. We're so far away from actual artificial intelligence, it's not even funny. What they're talking about is machine learning. Doesn't mean that it might not be useful, but I guarantee you that the, the primary applications are just going to replace mainstream media. They're, I mean, they're gonna control the narrative so tightly because it's all gonna be AI. It's gonna be a mess. So what my advice is learn if you can, to recognize AI in its writing, in its art, in its you know, potential architecture is going to drop out of AI. Whole movies may be built by AI, and that's going to happen. Somebody's going to do that. It's just a matter of time, right? Become good at recognizing the pattern that is AI. I know you're probably going, yeah, how do I do that? I don't know. I don't have a textbook for it, dude. One doesn't exist yet. Maybe one of these days it will. But if you want to avoid all that, there's an easy way to do it. Just avoid mainstream media altogether. Avoid it at all cost. Find the signal in Stacker News, Noster, uh, what's left of Bitcoin Twitter, I suppose. Uh, you know, it, what we're, what we're building here, what follow, what HRF is doing F follow their money. And then you will find your way to a place that's not polluted with what comes next. I mean, once, you know, you're going to have ICO offerings that are 100% completely automated. There's nobody behind it, right? Which some people will say, look, it's just as good as Bitcoin because there's nobody behind it. Yeah, it's going to be, no, it's, it's not going to be good. It's just going to be massive pump and dumps. Somebody will be ultimately behind it, but the messaging, the website creation, the content creation behind, you know, that crafts the narrative behind all these new tokens that are going to come up and they will by the thousands, it's all going to be AI generated and they're going to steal your money. So how do you stay away from that part of the AI? You buy Bitcoin, you hold Bitcoin, let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. Uh, looks like, looks like energy is mixed, rather mixed, rather. Um, oil, West Texas Intermediate is up a third of a point to $76.56. Brent North Sea, however, is down almost a full point, $83.38. Natural gas is being manipulated out the wazoo. It is down a full 7.87% to just over $2 a thousand cubic feet. I'm sorry, but that's manipulation. It's winter. I don't know what the hell's going on here, except that I had said it once before that there's a whole bunch of liquefied natural gas containers sitting off the coast of Europe because, you know, they're needing it or whatever. And there's nowhere to put the natural gas for sale on the market that's, you know, overseas because you got to liquefy it to put it onto a boat 
so that you can get it over there. So the only thing that I could think of is that there's no market for natural gas because there's no place to actually put it for shipping. And we've got a whole bunch of natural gas, this domestic pipelined in the United States. So we're only servicing maybe just ourselves and that's what's going on. But I think it's, I think it's market manipulation on natural gas, but I can't prove it. Gasoline, however, is up a full point to $2.43 a gallon. Uh, gold is down a third of a point to 1844. Silver is up almost a full point. Platinum is up 2.75%. Copper's up 2.7%. And palladium is up a full, well, almost a full 2%. We've got a rather mixed agricultural field out there. Our biggest loser today is rice. Uh, rough rice, 1.65% to the downside. Biggest winners, coffee, 2.72% to the upside. And Dow, oh, the markets are having a bad day. Or at least these markets are. Dow is down 1.7%. S&P down 1.7%. NASDAQ down one9 And S&P mini, two and a quarter percent to the downside. I don't care because real money is at, God, why, this, you know, BitInfo charts keeps messing up what I've got set up. $24,671.81. 385,000 BTC have been sent around the horn in the last 24 hours. We got a 1.31 BTC average transaction value, a median transaction value of 0.016 BTC, just under 400 bucks. And oh my God, Block times are hideously low, eight minutes and 50 seconds. We've got a 0.11 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and down to 18 BTC in fees overall in the last 24 hour period with a 3.2% reduction in hash rate. We are at 295 and a half exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is 8.7 United States pennies. That would be Dogecoin. So yes. It's clear, this crap isn't ever going to go away. You know how long Dogecoin spent well under many decimal places of a single United States penny? Years, years. And Elon starts flapping his gums about it and we've got Doge that's actually been above a penny for years, literally. This is the way this shit works. Nobody learns their lessons. Even when they get burned, they try again. It's like literally you have to take every single dime away from them, all of their property, and have them have to live under a bridge for two years. And then maybe, maybe that's when they get it. I don't know. But these people haven't got it yet. What they do have, however, is a $474.8 billion market capitalization that's laughing at them all the way to the bank. That is 3.9% of gold's entire market cap. And if you so choose, you may purchase 13.5 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,297,864.41 of, and 5,361.2 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at woohoo, 131.9 million dollarinos. Uh, that's being run over 16,178 nodes sporting 76,233 payment channels. Uh, and was oh, 68% of all of that's being run over tours associated 11,413 nodes 
we've got 1,400, thank God, 1,483 transactions waiting on 14 blocks to clear. That seems like, that seems a little high on the block side for such little transactions. Maybe this is a whole bunch of inscriptions going on. Uh, we've seen traffic on the inscriptions slow down a little bit. <clears throat> Cross your fingers. Maybe people are losing the luster. Who knows? Uh, we've got a 12.7% estimated difficulty change coming up February the 24th. That's in three days. And the minimum fee rate right now is one Satoshi for V-Byte. That's your weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. And you know what? I would like to direct this to the distinguished members of the panel. You lousy cork suckers. Yep. <laughs> that was actually not the one I wanted to play. But you know what? This is essentially a live show filled with cold reads. And we're going to do this one because we're going to continue talking about education. This time in Italy. Giacomo Zucco's definitely knee deep into this shit. Bitcoin magazine written by BTC Casey. Bit generation is bringing Bitcoin education to Italian high schools. Bitpolito, a group of students from Politecnico di Torino University. God, I hope Giacomo's not laughing at my ass. Uh, anyway, the universe who seek to address training. Research and development on Bitcoin in Italy have announced, quote, bit generation, end quote, a project that aims to bring Bitcoin education to Italian high schools. According to the press release sent to Bitcoin Mag, the university will host 10 meetings of three hours each for 30 third, fourth and fifth grade students at a local high school. I'm guessing that they do their grades in high school, like third, fourth, and fifth graders in the United States are very much younger than this. That's my assumption is that these people are like 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. Okay. Quote, experts and teachers <clears throat> have already talked about Bitcoin in the past to some classes through small independent initiatives, but bit generation has a whole different tenor. For the first time, an Italian public school welcomes Bitcoin training in a formal way. The 30 hours are part of what is called PCTO, which in Italian means Pathways for Transversal Skills and Orientation, which is a 300-hour course of compulsory work over a three-year period for all students throughout the country. Lessons taught cover various aspects of Bitcoin from financial inclusion, economics and structures of society to computer science and game theory. Uh, there are also practical lessons focusing on showing the ease of using Bitcoin. Subjects include creating a seed phrase in a wallet, downloading and managing a full node, time chain analysis and mining with a real ant miner S9 ASIC provided by Bitpolito. Speakers involved in this initiative include some of the best known names in the Italian Bitcoin sphere, starting with Giacomo Zucco, Riccardo Giorgio Frega, Alexos Filiini, Daniela Brozano. <laughs> There's no way I can't do it. Riccardo Masuti follows up with the last name. Bitpolito has previously been funded by Con.io or 
Conio, which will also fund the first edition of the course, while Shift Crypto will provide signing devices for the lessons. Giacomo Zucco, who gave the first lecture on January the 31st, said that, quote, the teachers were enthusiastic. When they asked me some questions after the lecture, about one third of the students gathered around to listen. I found bright faces despite a three hour lecture. It's a three hour tour. Niccolo Terranova, a member of the group and one of the main people responsible for the initiative explained its plans for expansion saying, quote, we would like to expand the project in the future. In the next edition, we will make a documentary that will tell the story of the student's education from the student's perspective. We hope that other schools will take the initiative as an example. We're ready to help, end quote. According to the press release, the 10 lessons will be posted on Bitpolito's YouTube channel so that anyone can watch the course for free. Of course, you'll probably have to speak Italian, which... I clearly don't know how to speak Italian. I want to revisit what, what this is. There's 30 hours of this, okay? There's 10 three-hour lectures for high school students, and that is inserted in this thing called the PCTO, which overall is a 300-hour course, okay? So before this began, before this 10 lectures of three hours apiece for Bitcoin, whatever happened, it looks to me like the PCTO was already a 300-hour course that was compulsory for you in Italy to complete your high school education. And then they put in 30 hours of Bitcoin. My question is, did this start out as 270 hours of PCTO and then they added 30 hours? Or, and this is what I think has actually happened, did they remove 30 hours of something else and replace it with 30 hours of Bitcoin? If that's the case, I want to know what they removed. Can somebody please get a hold of Giacomo and ask him that question? He doesn't talk to me anymore. No, actually, that's not true. I think he just forgot who the hell I am on Noster because he's not on there very much. And I've been booted off of Twitter so many times. I'm like Labrahodel, except I think he's been booted off about 10 times more. I follow in fine footsteps, Labrahodel and American Hodel. Yeah, I'm, I, think I, I think I'm coming in third on that one. Now, back home to the SEC. SEC's shadow crypto, crypto rule taking shape as enforcement cases mount. This is written by Jesse Hamilton. Coindesk. Yes, I know it's Coindesk, but maybe there's something worthwhile in here. It's the only people talking about the shadow banning that is going on by the SEC. United States Securities and Exchange Commission Chair Gary Gensler thinks the cryptocurrency industry is playing a game with his agency. Oh, we're playing games with you. He has said that companies are well aware of what they have to do to operate legally within the United States, but they've decided not to do it. Some of them in open scorn of the regulator. Ooh, thumbing their nose at them. In is it is the crypto industry pretending it doesn't know what the SEC wants as the agency keeps illustrating in cases like this week's action against the Terra Luna ecosystem and its founder? And how long can that go on? Quote, the law is pretty straightforward, end quote, Gensler said in response to questions from Coindesk last week. The ongoing insistence from the industry that the SEC is leaving crypto without clear rules is a false narrative, he said. Last year, 
a what is the SEC waiting for since, oh, that's just terrible editing guys uh late last year a what is the sec waiting for since started building among industry leaders because the crypto enforcement cases had seemingly slowed many wondered whether the commission was waiting for the outcome in its key court case with ripple before forging further into legal battles with crypto firms but the sec leapt out of the gates in 2023 with a series of actions and policy decisions with huge potential implications for digital assets quote it's been quite deliberate in an attempt to reach more kinds of participants in the market and have an ability to bring enforcement actions across a wider range of targets, said Amy Jane Longo, a former trial lawyer for the SEC in Los Angeles, who now works at Ropes and Gray. Apart from its campaign against token issuers and platforms, her former agency has been tackling everything from staking services to stable coins to celebrity promotions. The industry's chief complaint hasn't wavered. The SEC is rebuffing the sector's pleas for the regulator to issue actual rules. So crypto efforts have no choice but to carry on as the government walls are closing in. But the U.S. securities regulator has been building a fairly detailed set of implied standards with every enforcement action, application, ruling, or policy decision that it makes. Crypto lawyers are well aware in most cases what the SEC thinks defines a token as a security, leaning on legal standards such as the so-called Howey test to lay it out over and over in enforcement documents. <clears throat> and the lawyers also know which companies the SEC believes should be registered as national exchanges. Quote, the SEC has been consistently applying longstanding, well-known and clear securities laws to crypto activities, said Dennis Keller, CEO of Better Markets, a Washington group that pushes for tougher financial protections. That sounds like a lobbying group to me. Quote, the financial or financial, the fundamental problem is that the crypto industry has intentionally chosen not to comply with those securities laws, end quote. By now, a long list of cases has formed this shadow standard for what's not okay in digital assets. And the trillion dollar question is how the SEC is backing up Gensler's assertion that almost all of the tokens in circulation are securities. Because they are. The chairman insisted to a group of reporters last week that there are virtually always business interests associated with each token effort, checking one of the boxes for what his agency is weighing in its securities tests. Quote, other than Bitcoin, where is there not a group of entrepreneurs in the middle, he asked. Oh, shit. That re pausing to say he just reinforced his statement that Bitcoin is not a security. Let that sink in. At the end of 2020, the SEC targeted Ripple in a lawsuit that accused it of selling the XRP token as an unregistered security. That case remains in federal court and the eventual decision is bound to send shockwaves through the industry, whichever way it goes. But the SEC already found some success in the interim with similar accusations against startup Library, or LBRY, a federal judge in New Hampshire ruled in November that its native LBC tokens were indeed unregistered securities. A $50 million settlement with failed crypto lender BlockFi targeted its high-yield lending product, and the agency's enforcement division even built indirect cases against other tokens and issuers by naming several of them in an insider trading case against a former manager at Coinbase. On the exchange front, the agency went after 
Poloniex in 2021 as an unregistered exchange, and the company's $10 million settlement began to signal the SEC's view on when digital trading platforms should register as national exchanges. Gensler suggested he's frustrated over the crypto platform's unwillingness to come through his doors. Kraken CEO, quote, publicly said they were never going to register with the SEC. Boldly said that, Gensler said, quote, these platforms aren't even coming in and asking for the meetings, he said, adding that I really deeply respect the few that have come in. But for their part, industry leaders say that, or sorry, industry insiders say the SEC rarely has a real path to offer crypto firms. Longo said few companies have made any headway on the registration question. Quote, that feels a bit hollow to people in the markets who are trying to figure out how to comply with what the agency wants. While Gensler continued to warn about the compliance runway growing ever shorter, recent weeks have seen a surge in SEC cases that could further tip the scales. The agency piled on to the litany of civil and criminal accusations against fallen crypto platform FTX by saying its exchange token, FTT, is an investment contract that should be in the hands of SEC oversight. The regulator then pursued cases against Gemini Trust and Genesis Capital for yield products it also considers securities like BlockFi's, and against Kraken, arguing that firm's staking service fit the same bill. Last week, the regulator accused Terraform Labs and co-founder Duquan of deliberately misleading investors about the strength of its doomed Terra USD stablecoin and a and in a now familiar SEC claim, selling unregistered securities. The next in line for the SEC's security scrutiny could be Paxos, which received a notice from the agency that it may be in trouble for issuing the Binance USD token as, you guessed it, an unregistered security, an accusation Paxos vehemently denies. Quote, for all these settlements and district court cases that are out there, there's still a lot of aspects that are unanswered. And I think that that's part of what makes it particularly difficult trying to navigate enforcement risk in the area, Longo said. Difficult or not, Keller is cheering on the federal authorities, quote, the way forward is to rein in a knowingly lawless industry like crypto is for regulators like the SEC and prosecutors like the Department of Justice to apply the full force of the law, he said. All I think of is Judge Dredd. Last year, the SEC bulked up its newly named crypto assets and cyber unit by 20 positions, signaling the enforcement push that we're seeing now, setting aside the bulk of the agency's crypto cases, which were chasing old-fashioned crooks, stealing people's money, or pursuing a crackdown on so-called initial coin offerings. The list of consequential cases is still considerable. Gensler has sought to send a message to the cohort of celebrities that have hawked digital tokens for money, including big-assed Kim Kardashian. His agency's latest action was against NBA Hall of Famer Paul Pierce, a former star of the Boston Celtics who agreed to pay $1.4 million last week to settle accusations he'd promoted Ethereum Max tokens without disclosing that he was paid a cool quarter million dollars. With its enforcement actions, the commission has been defining which tokens Yield products and staking services are considered investment contracts in the regulator's eyes. And it's also been defining which firms should register as exchanges and how to avoid getting in trouble for marketing tokens while getting paid to do it. 
But the SEC has also been shaping the industry with other moves, including its series of high-profile rejections of applications to set up a damn spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund. And most recently, the regulator has finally moved into policy efforts with explicit mention of the crypto sector. Last week, the commission proposed a rule that would insist that SEC registered investment advisors, including massive hedge funds and advisors representing major institutional money, ensure that their clients' assets only be placed with, quote, qualified custodians. Well, that's a narrow range of banks, broker-dealers, and similarly regulated firms, which Gensler said would leave out unregistered crypto platforms. While a number of digital asset companies such as Coinbase, Anchorage Digital Bank, BitGo, Back, Gemini, quickly insisted they could make the grade as custodians under the rule, industry lawyers are still analyzing the 434-page proposal. At the very least, its language throws suspicion on cryptocurrency players. SEC Commissioner Mark Uyida argued that the rule proposal seemed to mask a policy decision to block access to crypto, and he suggested it is unlikely that crypto assets can be maintained at qualified custodians or traded on crypto trading platforms in compliance with that proposed rule. Uyida, who had worked in the past with congressional Republicans and as an advisor to conservative members of the commission, had previously criticized regulation by enforcement more generally in a September speech. So, alongside the commission's outspoken opponent of government overreach, Hester Pierce, there may be some internal resistance to the SEC's campaign to shape crypto without writing a direct system of regulations. Quote, One significant shortcoming of regulation by enforcement is that it fails to provide a mechanism for the commission to consider the views by market participants, which can result in a myopic approach, Uida said at a well-attended conference on SEC policy, quote, market participants should be able to look at the commission's rules rather than compare how their particular facts and circumstances may differ from those in a specific enforcement case. Many in the industry argue that relying piecemeal on laws based in the 1930s isn't a way to establish clear rules of the road for the innovations that set crypto apart from the financial instruments of the past. Yeah, I think Coinbase is holding some shit coin bags. Uh, or uh, Coindesk, sorry. Quote, the U.S. has to make a call to get in the game, said Brett, Brett Quick, head of government affairs for the Crypto Council of Innovation. It's like we are just dipping our toes in the water when we need to dive in. Most, that's the end of the article. And mostly what I've read to you is what the SEC is doing, and that's the important part. The reactions of all these other people that are crying like little children about what the SEC is doing means absolutely nothing. Why? Well, first of all, the SEC doesn't give a shit. Two, the SEC doesn't give a shit because they're actually correct. And, okay. Let's make sure that I caveat the living crap out of this. I have Bitcoin. I fully believe that everything outside of Bitcoin is something that is riding on Bitcoin's coattails and is helping to retard the ability for Bitcoin to go hyper-Bitcoinization. 
where people get to use an actual money that doesn't lose value if you sneeze at it wrong, like the US dollar. All of them are scammers. All these guys with their ICOs and their altcoins and their bullshit. I mean, when was the last time you heard from Charlie Lee? Do you even know that name? He used to be on Bitcoin Twitter all the time. And then he sold the top of Litecoin because Charlie Lee is Litecoin's creator, sold the top in 2017. He sold out of all of his Litecoin. Said he was, I don't know, something to do about charitable donation, but nobody can really know. And nobody really knows if he actually sold. And even if he did, even if we did know he actually sold, or even if we knew that he actually sold something, we don't know if it's Litecoin. Nobody really knows what Charlie Lee had. But I guarantee you this, you haven't heard from Charlie Lee since 2018 at all. It's like he's a ghost and he didn't get kicked off of Twitter as far as I know. He sold the top and he, he punched out with bags of cash, your cash, because you bought Litecoin. You thought it was Bitcoin's silver. You know, it was like, so they, that's what it used to be. It was Litecoin was was crypto silver to Bitcoin's gold. It was all bullshit. It was just marketing. They just get in your head like worms and crawl around until they infect you to the point that you actually believe they're ever loving crap. And so many people have lost houses and like their life savings. I mean, it's just over and over and over again. Gensler's right. If you if you are part of a of a corpus, whether a corporation or a group of people or a foundation or something like that, that has offered a token for sale to the public and you're guaranteeing or saying that people are going to get more money in the future due to the efforts of those people that offered you the coin, then you are a security because you've passed the Howey test. I don't need, I, there's no difference in the fact that it happens with electrons rather than an orange farm out in South fucking Florida, which is where the Howie test came from. It does not matter if it's digital. That's the whole point that Gensler's trying to make. And for all these people that are saying, but we need clear regulations, you already have them. It's called the Howie test. If you're offering anything for money and guaranteeing in return more money on the efforts of somebody who is not the person buying the thing, then you are offering a security, not a service, not a utility, not a piece of machinery that can make the money in the future due to their own fucking effort. No, you're doing the effort and you sold them this thing. And you're telling them they're going to make more money in the future because of your actions. You're a security. I'm sorry. We already have the rules. The rules are very, very clear. They're actually very, very simple. Once you wrap your head around it. Yield. Dude. <laughs> That's a security. In a way. I mean, an ICO is a security. Altcoin have been securities. All this shit is securities. And the SEC is going to go after it all. For years, I've been telling people that all, I love altcoins and, and, and all the ICOs because they're ablative armor to Bitcoin. They will, they're easy pickings, man. And the SEC and the Department of Justice and then the CFTC, they're, they've got their hands full for at least a decade 
clearing up all the shit. Meanwhile, Bitcoin, which Gensler continues to state is not a security, grows like the tree in the field, spreading its roots ever deeper into the ground, growing its trunk ever wider beyond the dimensions of a chainsaw blade that would be able to effectively cut it down, yielding fruit that everybody can partake of, including Gary Gensler himself. Nobody wants to cut down a peach tree when everybody agrees that the peaches are delicious. And these peaches, in fact, are delicious. However, there are turds, like Hope Finance. Did it bring you hope? No, it brought you an exploit. Hope Finance exploit results in $2 million stolen from users' funds. Gareth Jenkinson, Cointelegraph, prospective users of an Arbitrum-based decentralized finance project have been rug-pulled of $2 million. Web3 security firm Certic flagged the incident February 21st following announcement from the Hope Finance Twitter account notifying users of the scam. Now, let's find out what Certic actually said. Uh... At Hope underscore Finn have announced the community has been scammed of $2 million, making this the largest rug pull, they say, exit scam on on Arbitrum in 2023. $1.86 million was transferred to Tornado Cash. Hope underscore Finn have posted steps for users to withdraw their staked LP. And then they give the actual tweet that was given from uh, Hope Finance. Details of the project are difficult to come by. The platform's Twitter account was launched in January of this year and outlined plans for an algorithmic stablecoin called Hope Token. H-O-P-E is the ticker symbol, which dynamically adjusts its supply relative to the price of Ether. Post on the account allege that a Nigerian national had executed the scam and transferred over $1.86 million to Tornado Cash shortly after the platform went live on February the 20th. A member of the Certic team, they only had one fucking day. (laughs) One day. (laughs) Oh my God. A member of the Certic team told Cointelegraph that the scammer had changed the details of the smart contract, which led to funds being drained from Hope Finance's Genesis Protocol, quote, It appears that the scammer changed the trading helper contract, which meant that when OX4481 calls open trade on the Genesis reward pool, the funds are transferred to the scammer, end quote. According to the tweet, uh, to a tweet dated February back in, back on February the 13th, uh, the Hope Finance smart contract was audited by a Cognitos official Cointelegraph reviewed the audit summary, which flagged two major contract function vulnerabilities. This included an incorrect modifier and the possibility of retrancency, of reentrancy attacks. Despite flagging these vulnerabilities, Cognitos found that the smart contract code had passed the audit successfully. Following the scam, Hope Finance shared information with users to withdraw staked liquidity from the protocol through an emergency withdrawal function, which is probably also going to be scammed too. Arbitrum is an Ethereum layer two roll-up network that enables exponential scaling of smart contracts. (laughs) Exponential rug pulls, you mean. Alongside 
optimism, and I've got that in quotes, the two layer two protocols continue to handle an increasing amount of transactions within the Ethereum ecosystem. Oh my God, it never ends. Nobody ever learns and everybody gets rugged, except for those who, what? Buy Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin. I don't know how many times I actually need to say it, but we are 11 minutes out of the hour that I schedule for this. So that's gonna do it for the morning roundup. Starting Tuesday off with the joke. Oh, you know what? By the way, I forgot to to wish y'all all a happy mattress day that occurred yesterday. And I do hope that all of your mattress day celebrations were safe and effective. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, it's probably because you don't live in the United States. Yesterday was President's Day. And for whatever reason, over the decades, and we used to have Lincoln's birthday and Washington's birthday, and then maybe another president's birthday, but they all got combined up a few, you know, back in the day to a single day called President's Day, which as you might guess, is a federal and bank holiday. And for whatever reason, all the mattress stores in the United States decided that, hey, that's a great day to have a mattress sale. So I am now referring to President's Day as Mattress Day and will continue to hope that you and yours have a safe and effective mattress day. Now, the joke. A man goes to a funeral and asks the widow, mind if I say a word? She says, please do. The man clears his throat and says, <clears throat> bargain. The widow replies, Thanks. That means a great deal. Yeah, it's bad. I know. I was about to skip that one and do one of the other ones from Dad Says Jokes on Twitter. But, you know, that one was, it was terrible. And that's what a good dad joke actually is. Terrible. Should make you cringe. Uh, what have we learned today? Don't trust anybody. <laughs> Don't trust anybody, especially if they're in mainstream media, because mainstream media is going to be supplanted by AI. AI is going to roll out a whole bunch of shit coins for you to swallow. And if you are, haven't learned your lesson by now, then you're going to fall for it and you're going to lose all of, all of your money. Um, Noster and Stacker News. I highly recommend... Anybody that is not on either one of those platform forms or is on one but not the other, to examine the other. And if you're not on either, come on, man. Really? I mean, really? Are you really listening to the people who are saying the same shit? Is This can't scale. We can't scale. It'll never scale. It'll never, it'll never, you know, uh, overcome the network effect of Twitter. And that one is the most solid argument that there is for Noster and things like Stacker News not actually having the kind of reach that it could potentially reach. But, and this is a big but, that would be true, absolutely guaranteed true, had not one thing occurred. Can you guess what that is? That's right. Elon Musk buying Twitter and revealing to us what a narcissistic son of a bitch he really is. I've never seen anything like this. 
I mean, if I go to Twitter and I, I mean, if I go to Twitter and I'm you know, getting onto Twitter as just somebody who's not logged in because well, a, I, I, I would, I mean, I can log into Twitter under ghost of Nunya and I can also log in on any one of my Twitter accounts. They're all, they're all fried and there's no followers there, but be that as it may, if I go and I'm not logged in, I just go in as somebody who wants to look at a tweet. I get one following suggestion and that's Elon Musk. If I've seen pictures yesterday that uh, Twitter is now throwing up warnings, if you want to like a tweet and that tweet happens to have some kind of negative light about Elon Musk and possibly Twitter itself, there's been a, a few instances. He's ruining that platform. I don't think we have to worry about the network effects of Twitter for very much longer. He's destroying that network. I don't think he gave a shit about owning Twitter. I've, you know, this will be probably the fifth time I've said it. What he paid $44 billion for was not Twitter's infrastructure. It was not the protocol, it was not the software, it was not the platform. It was two things, the name Twitter as a branding and the customer list all the emails, all the telephone numbers. Think about how much Twitter has gathered over uh, on us over the years. How much data? Who did we tweet? You have any idea how big that social network is since it launched in, what was it, 2009? I know I got on on 2011 and it was still fairly new. Uh, but I mean, think about the size of the network graph. If you don't understand what network graph is, don't worry about it. Just, you could, that's something that you can just Google. Um, but what it, a network graph will tell you is that who is associating with who, what, what kind of things are being, I don't know, listened to the most. Of course, all that's polluted by Twitter's own algorithms. But since Musk got in, he's ruining the platform for regular folks. And more and more people are flying to anything else that they can fly to. Before Noster had some kind of, you know, a, a good hand, couple of handfuls of competent clients that people, you know, had stability on. Everybody was, oh, not everybody, but so many people were flying over to the Fediverse and getting, you know, hooking up with a Mastodon clients that they could see inside the Fediverse. Now there's, I mean, it's just every single day, more and more people are coming to Noster. I would like to actually see a competent link from Noster Relays over to the Fediverse and back again. And then I'd like to see those competent links also form between like Stacker News, su uh, Substack. I, I think that we're, I mean, I think we're at this nexus place where if a couple of these, what, think, what, what seem to be disparate platforms somehow or another, integrate a common protocol and that would be Noster. That doesn't mean that you have to change all your code. You just need to write something that allows your protocol to speak competently to the Noster protocol and receive messages competently from the Noster protocol. If you can do that, you can tap, the, you can tap into something that even nature's base network that is mushrooms can't do. I kept asking myself this question for years. 
Is it possible for different species of mushroom mycelium to connect up together and share resources? And I mean fully connect, like one mycelium of, I don't know, an oyster mushroom runs into another mycelium of uh, Ascomycetes or whatever, and then actually plug into each other, not send messages across their cell membrane. I mean the cells actually connect. The hypha of the, the, of the network mass that is the mushroom stuff in the soil connect together directly. And the answer is it can't. We don't, this is the one time, this is the one time we can do that, that we can do something that nature can't do. We'd have two genetically different, different and distinct organisms like stacker news and Substack and let's take the Fediverse and Nostra protocols. This is the one time we have to be able to connect all this stuff up. If nature could do that, we would have forests in ways that you cannot possibly even imagine. I won't get into why that's that maybe I'll do that as how I want to change what the content of this show is about a little bit. It will always be about Bitcoin, but I need to start pulling in more stuff like soil and compost and mulch and cover cropping and alley cropping and pasture, silvo pasture stuff, more natural systems that we're going to need if we're going to survive the stupid clown show that's out there that seems to be just never ending on fire and it has an inexhaustible source of fuel to feed that fire, right? Be that as that may, we've got this chance to be able to build these things that connect into a central, and when I mean centralizing, I don't mean central control. I mean, if the guys at Stacker News, please figure out a way to get a, a Nostra relay spun up so that all of your Stacker News content actually feeds just like you've got a whole, ho like you're running a relay and feeds into the Nostra network and be able to receive messages from the Nostra network natively into Stacker News. Let's see what happens because you wanna talk about network effect winning. If network effect is what wins the fucking game, then what I just described to you, it should be clear that we can win the game with network effect. It's just going to take disparate, genetically distinct things in the ecosystem to be able to talk to each other competently and natively. That means not sending messages across our cell membranes to another genetically different organism. No, it means being able to have collision with another genetically disparate organism and have that connection stable as if it was our own genetics. That's the way we're going to win and be able to build upon the idea of network effect always wins. Well, that said, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.